It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports comments editor with Rick Roaring. As always, it's presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage. Where the NFL draft is upon us, we're doing this the day before the draft. I got my final mock draft coming out tomorrow. I have no direction where I'm going to go at this point. It is lots up in the air. We're going to talk a lot of draft. We'll talk a little Reds. We'll talk some college basketball. Of course, my favorite part of the podcast where you can ask me a question on any topic. Go to the Twitterverse. Hit up the hashtag AskSkinnyAnything each and every week. Rick compiles them. You ask them. I answer them. And it doesn't always have to be about sports. Rick, how are we on this fine day? I'm doing great. You, you always love doing our draft special here. I do. I do. You're a big draft guy. I'm a draft Nick, if you will. I will. Uh, Let's talk about the NFL draft. It kicks off Thursday night at 8 p.m. It runs through Saturday night. The Bengals have seven picks this year, one in each round. I feel like that's kind of rare for it to just actually be them selecting their own picks and no extra picks or traded picks or compensatory picks or anything like that. Skinny, we talked about it last week. Vegas thinks tight end or cornerback is clearly the most likely choice for the Bengals. Let's start there again. Do you agree with that? Do you think cornerback or tight end is the most likely selection. I do, but I'm leaning less and less to the tight end side of it, especially after we talked with Zach Taylor on Monday, he, you know, he didn't shoot anything down. They're never going to tip their hand on anything, but you know, he keeps making it a point of, he liked, he's a, I like the tight end class. It's deep. I like our room. Um, and I think when you hear, I like our room, that sounds to me like they're going to wait for a middle round Picked, although, like I've said, I mean, if Michael Mayer's there, it's very, it's it's very tough to pass. But I, I think at this stage, it's going to be corner. I think it'd be impossible. There's going to be um, some guys they probably have rated higher at that position than maybe others do, and graded higher. That's going to be on the board. Um, you know, their draft board. You know, they're going to have 28 players rated one through 28, and however those fall, and that and that doesn't include quarterbacks. They're not even going to put the quarterbacks on their draft board. Um, so that's 28 players just in general, non-quarterbacks. So. I got a feeling there's a corner in there somewhere that's going to be high enough on that board that they they take him in round one. Or I know my guys from the athletics keep asking this question, Jay Morrison and Paul Daner Jr. And during during uh, the last couple of press conferences with Duke Tobin and, and with uh, and with Zach, you know, there's the possibility of trading back. I mean, if you still have a guy on the board who you like, well, hell, if we go back to 30, whatever, 36, 35, we're still going to get one of our guys that we still have highly rated up there to get an extra pick. Now you do lose the possibility of the fifth year option, which they used on Joe Burrow yesterday. Um, but it also garners you maybe another mid round pick. And it feels like and you mentioned the topic. It feels like seven picks is maybe one too short to maybe get all the depth pieces they want in this draft. Yeah. I mean, especially when you look at this draft where there isn't a glaring need, there right. isn't a position that you say, oh God, they've got to have that. They've got to get, that in the first round, at least. I mean, there are some positions where throughout the draft, yes, they've got to select somebody and maybe add some depth, but there's not that one spot where it's like, oh, if this is there, this is available with the 28th pick, you got to pick it. Um, And most of the guys, when you start looking through mock drafts and some of the analysis that have come out leading up to this, most of the guys that are being talked about for the Bengals, you can see them going, you know, 35, 38. 40. Right. I mean, like, it, it's not insane to think a lot of these guys might be here if the Bengals trade back into early in the second round and add 
a third or fourth round pick to go with it. So I'm with you. I mean, I could absolutely see them doing that. I think it'd be a prudent thing to do. The issue with that, of course, is it always sounds great on Wednesday when you right. don't have to figure out who the other team is that you're trading with. You need another team that wants well, your pick and right. wants to trade up to 28. Yeah, and that was Duke Tobin's point, too, is that sounds great until there's no team that calls to ask you for that pick. I mean, yeah, so, exactly. It's it's easy to know. say that's the prudent thing to do, but it's it's not like there's just necessarily someone available to do it with. Yeah, no, no question. But, you know, I, I, I say that, you know, it probably feels like they're a pick short of, of kind of filling what we talk about. Like, you'd like to get two corners in this draft and a tight end and maybe even two running backs in this draft and a defensive tackle and maybe an edge rusher and maybe even a, a – a, a developmental piece of quarterback late in the draft. We start adding that up and you quickly get past the, the seven picks that they have to, to, to do all of those things at the same time. Uh, you know, I've, I've told people, I don't know if all seven draft picks make this roster because of how deep it is. So there's that concept too, right? So it, it's kind of a yin and yang. And, and I'm really interested to see what, especially what happens in that first round. I want to talk a little bit more about the tight end potential in a second, but let me ask you this first. What would be your choice if you were picking for the Bengals? And I mean, I know there are a lot of variables to take into account there, but if you were just saying, you know, all things equal, you kind of have your pick of whoever you want at that position that's within reason, what what position are you looking for? And if you have any names, that's fine too. But yeah, what type of position would you be looking for personally? I, I'm probably, I'd probably lean the corner route. I say that. And, and for those that may have listened to Dan Hord's podcast last week, I did a three round mock draft that he invited me on to do. And, um, uh, it was through the PFF simulator. And sometimes that's the thing I'm doing it through a simulator, right? Where, you know, that guy's there and you're like, well, I got to take him because he's there and may not right. be there when, when, when real life comes, I did take Michael Mayer. And then I followed up with corners in, in back-to-back rounds. I, I got an A grade from, from pro football focus for my draft. So I guess I should feel good about that. But the more I I've, I've crunched this and looked at this and thought about this, um, you know, the, 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 it, it's time to start, getting draft picks on defense under rookie contracts because you're paying all this money on offense, right? You had all these guys who run rookie. Co- Joe Burrow was on a rookie deal. T was on a rookie deal. Jamar was on a rookie deal. Um, and, and so the, the, those guys, now the bill's coming due for them where the flip side was you paid for DJ reader. You paid for Jadobia Wuzier. Um, You know, you, you, you paid some of those guys. You paid for Trey Hendrickson. Well, now the bill's coming due on that side of the ball where it's time to kind of flip the script. And, and that's the guys that need to be under rookie contract. So I, I'm going to lean the corner route. And if not the corner route, if, if, if a Kalijah can't, Yancey's there, Kansi's there from Pitt at the defensive tackle spot or something similar to that, or even an edge, yeah. Um, you know, maybe you go that route. I'm, I'm leaning less and less to the offensive side of the ball. I mean, unless they've got a mayor rated so high and he's so much higher than any corner, like he's, he's rated 11th on their board and in the, and the corners rated 27th. I, I don't think they take the, the gap just to go out. Oh, let's take corner. I think they would take mayor at that point, but I think, you know, I think the decision also might be made for them. I mean, it, it's, it's likely that both Dalton Kincaid and mayor are gone. And at that point it, it is corner very easily. Yeah, you don't even consider tight end if it's not one of those yes, two guys. Right. And yeah, correct. I'm with you. I lean towards defense. I like the idea of cornerback, but I think my first choice would actually be either an interior rusher or an edge rusher. I like the idea of making the defensive line more dynamic and, and adding to the talent there, especially because to me, at least, it feels like a lot of those guys can impact the game right away. Potentially. Now, they might not be an every down type of guy, but they can make an early impact at that position more so 
than maybe an offensive piece might be able to, certainly more so than a lot of offensive linemen. When we talk about the development of those guys and what a crapshoot it is, sometimes you get one that can produce right away, but that's a really tough position early in your career. And uh, I think with the changes that the Bengals are going through on the defensive end, bringing in some new guys, especially in that secondary, it'd be nice to to be even a little bit more dynamic up front with the pass rush. So I would be into a, a defensive lineman of some sort. I'd definitely be into cornerback as well. I, I would prefer not go offense, but at the same time, this is a draft where because there's not a big need, you could talk me into just about sure. anything. I think yeah. the one position that I don't really agree with is running and, back. Yes. And that's yeah, what I wanted you. to get your I'm take on you. because I yeah. keep hearing people talk about them potentially saying, Hey, if Texas running back Bijan Robinson or the Alabama running back Jameer Gibbs, who's a big time pass catching threat and sort of third down type of guy is available, the Bengals should look into that. What do you make of the idea of taking a running back or one of those? Yeah, two I, guys specifically? yeah I don't. I, I, there, there's so many mid round backs and, and I think it's been proven in this league. You just don't need a high round draft pick to win the Super Bowl. It's been the last decade has pretty much shown that um, you don't need that that guy or a high price guy to, to win. And so I, I'm with you. I just don't see you using a premium pick on a on what is considered a non premium position anymore. And I want to go back to what you said about the defensive line, the edge. You know, I wasn't in the edge camp. Uh, and I'm still kind of not, but to your point, I asked Zach Taylor the other day about, you know, you know, how much harder is it getting to, to, to really project these offensive tackles. And he said, it is hard. It's getting harder and harder, but he said, a lot of it is, you know, the best guy on a lot of these teams is, is a defensive end. And right. he said, those guys are hard to block, especially coming right out of college. And you're asking a rookie to get thrown in there and block these guys. And to your point, well, if that's the case and the right edge guy is there, then okay, maybe that's the route to go. Plus, and I'll throw this in, you know, Trey Hendrickson has two more years on his contract, but after this year, you literally can get out from under it for, I don't want to say next to nothing, but close to next to nothing. I know that sounds awful to say right now on this date when Trey Hendrickson is going to be a huge part of this football team and you hope has a, a year he reverts back to 2021, but you got to start thinking ahead. So that's where I'm, I'm not opposed to edge, but I am very much opposed to running back. I, you can't even, I don't even care if B. John Robinson, I don't care if Jameer Gibbs is there, which yeah. he's going to be. I, it's just a non-premium position. Why waste a premium pick on a non-premium position? I don't care how much the guy glitters and you go, Tamir Gibbs pops. Sure he does. Bijan Robinson pops. Sure he does. But it's a non-premium position, especially on the football team where number nine is going to drop back and throw it 40 times a game. Yep, exactly. And that's why it's like even if Saquon Barkley was available in this draft, if I'm the Bengals, I'm not looking that way, I don't think. I mean, I, you know, obviously he wouldn't be available when they're picking, but, no, but even if that right. was – the case and they were able to get one of like the best running back prospects in the last decade or two. I still don't think that's the choice I would want to make. Now I was talking to someone else about this and I brought that up and they said, wait, you don't want a running back because you think it's like a luxury piece or something that they don't need within the Bengals offense, but you do want a tight end potentially to me. I think, especially when you're looking at some of the top teams and, and quarterbacks who they lean on, I immediately start thinking of some of those tight end quarterback combos like the Mahomes Kelsey situation. It felt feels like a lot of these recent teams that have been at the top of the NFL have had stud tight ends. You got Brady and Gronk. I mean, there are a lot of other variables to go with these guys, but for the most part, I feel like there have been dominant tight ends on a lot of the good teams recently. To me, I think, especially with an offense like the Bengals and a quarterback like Joe Burrow, as much as you're going to be dropping back, I, Yes, I get it. Jameer Gibbs could be a real weapon in the passing game as well. 
But and I'm only taking the tight end if I think either Dalton Kincaid or Michael Mayer is a a game breaker, a difference maker in the NFL, not just a solid player. And I've heard some of the the scouting reports on Mayer is that hey, he, he's he's going to be really solid. He's going to be ready on day one, but maybe the upside isn't there. Maybe the upside isn't as high. If that's the Bengals' evaluation and they don't think he has the potential to be like a top three or four tight end in the NFL, then I don't know if I would be considering him. But if they think he is the potential to be like, you know, a, a Kyle Rudolph or a Kelsey type, a guy that can really be your number one weapon on the offensive end and really be a talent like that, then, yeah, I'd be interested in grabbing a guy like Mayer Kincaid, one of the top tight ends. Yeah, I, I just think it, it it I think that point that that whoever you talk to made is a good one. Um, and so is yours. But I, I think that you're in that vein of there's so many third to fifth round graded, even second to fifth round. I would even mind a second, second to fifth round graded tight ends. That that feels like the sweet spot for what is in this offense a non-premium position, too. Um I do think you have to at least take one at a point where you think that guy is going to be a factor in the next few years. I, you know, I like, you know, the plug and play with Hayden Hurst. I think the plug and play with Irv Smith, if he stays healthy is going to be a good one for sure. Um, but at some point you can't keep doing the plug and play tight end one year route. It's going to dry up on you. You got to have somebody in the pipeline that you think you can count on. And, and to me, I, I think you, you can find that guy second to fifth round. Do the Bengals need an offensive tackle in this draft skinny early? No, not early. And I, I, I've written this a few times. I've said it a lot of times. I, I just think it's, and that's why I asked Zach the question. It's just such a crapshoot trying to grade these guys. I think you get them in the pipeline. Um, you develop them. You you hope that that they develop. But the more guys you throw into that mix, the better. That let's just see what they got. And you know, right now at right tackles, it's tacks up. You got five guys in competition. Now that's going to shape shape itself out depending on if they can make a Jonah Williams trade. Um, you know, if they eventually put Lyle Collins on the pup list, despite him declaring he could go out and play right now with a brace on his knee and all those things. But you've got a lot of guys in the pipeline at tackle. And that's not to tell you you don't maybe take one again mid round to late round for development. But no, I'm I'm not wasting a, an early pick on that just because it's just of all the position groups to me, that's the biggest crapshoot anymore in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I want nothing to do with an offensive lineman, honestly, in the first couple of picks. I know that sounds crazy, and that's been the refrain every year uh, over the last two seasons with this team and Joe Burrow is, oh, they got to protect Burrow better. It's like, well, I'm with you, but they've also been in the Super Bowl and the AFC Championship game the last two years with the offensive line being as bad as it is, allegedly. And right right now, we're talking about right tackle, right? I mean, you feel good about Kappen, you feel good about Karish, you feel good about Volson, you feel good about Orlando Brown. Talking about finding the right tackle, and you've got at least a – he's not a great one, but he's a proven tackle in this league, and Jonah Williams in the mix. And you – there's a lot of fanfare for signing Lyle Collins last year. And listen, he wasn't great. He was really good in run blocking, not in pass blocking. And, and, you know, he said the other day to us, this is as healthy as I've felt in an offseason. It's funny to say that coming off a knee surgery. And he did play hurt last year. He played with a bulky back. He says it feels good now. Everything feels great. You know, maybe you get a better version of Lyle Collins if you hang on to him at right tackle. And isn't that going to be probably better than the crapshoot of a premium round draft pick? Wouldn't that be incredible if he came back and was just like this road grader, all pro type tackle all of a sudden? He really was just totally unhealthy last year. And it wasn't that he's like an idiot or doesn't want to play or something like that. That's right. I wrote the piece after we talked to him about they've got a real quandary there right now, because if he really is healthy, he's a cheaper version of Jonah. That gives you, I guess, more leverage to want to trade Jonah. Although, again, I still have, of the 
finding a trading partner is going to be pretty difficult, barring a catastrophic injury from for another team. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's that possibility. You know, there was a lot of fanfare when they signed him, right? Fans yeah. were all happy. People that they were signed inside him. the Kenwood Mall trying to take pictures of him. Right. There was all types of sleuthing going on when he, they were going through that process. No, I mean, it, it, he was. There was a huge deal when they added him, and if he is able to bounce back, that would definitely make a big impact on this team. A few other things I wanted to ask you about here, Skinny. We were talking about the running back situation. Do you think anything has changed with Joe Mixon or do you think he'll still be cut after the draft at some point? I think they have or are going to ask him to take a pay cut. We'll see where that goes. I'm still the oak. He won't be on this roster um, come camp. I, I think they're going to get at least one back in this draft. Maybe, as I mentioned, two. Um, there's enough vets floating around out there. I mean, Zeke Elliott's still floating around out there. Remember, he had his three finalists, right? I got my three finalists. Well, None of them wanted you and probably none of them wanted you at that price, but Ezekiel Elliott at a cheap price, kind of like Leonard Fournette was with Tampa Bay. You don't need him to be a 20 carry a game back, give him 10 or 12, make him the short yardage guy, put him in situational stuff. And then, you know, you got to change a page back in the draft, the developmental guy in the draft. You still have Chris Evans and Travion Williams in the pipeline for depth. I just think that's the route to go. I, there's no way I will say this. There's no way Joe Mixon is going to make the money. And the salary cap hit he is currently under for this coming season and beyond. It's it's going to be a restructure or see you later. Or and it still may even be a see you later. I think they're, you know, I, and I keep getting asked from, from from a couple of people on the beat of why is he still on this roster? And I said, well, I mean, if you go through the draft and for whatever reason the board doesn't fall right for you, um, or you know, they're not going to force a pick of a running back who's who's rated eight pick, you know, even in the third or fourth round. I mean, I I think Duke Tobin said it really well he said you know it's a fifth round and we want a safety and but the safety's not, not rated where we want we're not going to force the pick of a safety we're going to take the best guy on the board now if position you know if guys are rated similar to each other and that's the position of need then yeah you're going to take the guy of the position of need with a similar grade but you know if the board doesn't fall right to them and they don't get the running back they're seeking to to maybe plug and play then i think you know you still go the restructure route with joe mixon but you still have him on the roster I think I grabbed this from you because I didn't put any attribution behind it. So I think I stole this out of one of the things you wrote from Local 12. But going back to the defensive lineman conversation, potentially looking to add either an interior guy or an edge. Since the draft went to seven rounds in 1994, the Bengals have only selected two defensive linemen in the first round. Defensive tackle Dan Wilkinson in 94 and defensive end Justin Smith in 2001. It also took linebacker Renard Wilson in 97, tried to convert him to a defensive end. That obviously didn't work out. So with that in mind, is that something where the Bengals just don't value that drafting those positions highly? Or is it something that just that's the way it shook out and they've been trying to get the quarterback and the offense thing right for so long that that's just kind of what it's amounted to? Yeah, that, that was Duke's stance to us that he was asked that question. He said, I think that's just happenstance. And I think that's probably right. But I think to your point, I mean, you've drafted, you know, since that draft went to seven rounds, you drafted Achilles Smith in the first round. You drafted as a quarterback, you drafted Carson in the first round. Um, you drafted AJ Green as a wide receiver in the first round to get that piece right. Then you had to go back and get Burrow in the first round. Oh, don't forget about John Ross. Uh, John Ross in the first round. Important. Yes, forget about him. You know, they've had some tackles on the offensive side they've taken in the first round to try to get that right. You know, Jonah, Cedric Obwehi, um, you know, Levi Jones, I think was a first round pick. Willie Anderson was a first round pick. Um, you know, some of it they did get right. But I, I, th- I do think it's happenstance. I, I do. All right. So you've done multiple mock drafts at this point. 
Do you have a name in mind? Do you want to put your official prediction on the record here? Yeah, I, I got I got two in mind, and, and they're both corners, and I've taken them in different ones. And his name is popular, I think, among everybody right now. Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State and Keely Ringo from Georgia. Um, I, I like Keely Ringo more than most. Um, Forbes is rated and graded higher. Both have that kind of first slash second round grade to them. Um, which that would sound like maybe it's a little bit of a reach at 28. I, I I don't. I I think if that's the highest rated corner you have, and again, they can rate guys a whole lot different. You know, Forbes checks a lot of boxes. The only one he doesn't check is he's very, very thin, but he's a, he's got great ball skills. Uh, he was a great cover man and played in a big-time league where you needed to cover in the SEC. Um, you know, and I'm not the only one saying this, and, and I'm, I'm not a big group think guy, but, but it just it feels like he's the right guy. Now, he could also – you know, some other teams could have just a high grade on him too, and he could be gone as well. Um, so I'll I'll go Forbes if he's available. Um, I'll go Forbes if he's available, even if Mayor's available. How about that? Oh, okay. Is that is that the name you want on the record? Was there any others? You, you said you had no, a couple. I, I said Keely Ringo. I mean, if, okay. if, if Kalijah Cansey were there as a three technique um, to add that pass rush juice inside that you mentioned, and, and uh, that would be one, two. It's just this draft feels, and I hate to do this, this draft feels harder than most because it just feels like after after you start getting the quarterbacks and a couple of those high-end defensive guys off the board from about round 10 on, it can go in any different direction. In fact, I saw, I've seen drafts where Joey Porter Jr. goes as high as the teens, and I saw uh, CBS Sports maybe, their most recent mock, mocked him to the Bengals, which I wouldn't mind. I you know, You'd hate the Joey Porter story. Being in well, it'd be kind with, of funny. It is kind of funny and certainly ironic, um, but you know, again, I wouldn't mind that either. So I, I do think there's going to be a corner on the board at that spot that they have rated highly enough that they're going to pluck. All right. We will see what happens. Another draft story I wanted to ask you about, not Bengals related, the Will Levis Reddit Vegas Ooh. story. Very strange. If you haven't seen this, basically, Will Levis was what, like 80 to 1 odds or, or even farther than that, maybe 100 to yeah, 1 I mean, odds to go one overall? Yes, that's. That sounds about right, but it was not yet. Yeah, that 81 sounds about right, but but yeah, it, go ahead because this this got crazy yesterday. Yeah, so basically, what happened is a night or two ago, someone posted on a Reddit thread, which if you don't know what Reddit is, essentially just like a forum online, posted that you know something to the effect of Will Levis is telling everybody that Carolina is going to take him first overall. You're welcome. That was basically the extent of the message. There wasn't a lot to it. It was just like, hey. You know, I've got a, I've got friends of Will Levis or whatever. He's telling everybody at home that he's going to be taken first overall by Carolina. Well, within a matter of like 12 hours, people just decide, what if this guy's right? I'm going to bet it anyways. And DraftKings and other dra- sports books, DraftKings was the one I, I happened to be looking at that night, starts taking a lot of the odds off the board. And all of a sudden, when they come back up, Will Levis is just the odds are plummeting. It gets down to like uh, 50 to one, 20 to one. Then it's inside 10 to one. And now Will Levis is like the second best odds to go number one overall behind Bryce Young. What do you make of this whole Will Levis Reddit? I mean, first of all, do you think there's anything to it potentially? And second of all, how absurd of an era is this? The online world we live in where that could literally be anybody that could be you. Yes. At home, typing that, just completely making it up, and yet it completely shifted a betting market like that. 
Yeah. Um, could there be credence to it? Sure, there could be. Um, could it also be a smokescreen that Carolina tells a kid something and he takes it and runs with it where they're trying to get some smokescreen out there, too? I don't know what that smokescreen would be, but maybe they feel like there's another team that really covets Will Levis and would be willing to trade up for them. And then they still get Bryce Young, right? We've seen that kind of stuff happen, correct? But th- th- here's the thing, though. They've got the first overall pick. They don't need to, like, fool anybody. They well, get to no, pick no, 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 hear, me you know, hear me out. If, if they're getting waves that, that some team loves Will Levis, let's just say the Colts, they covet Will Levis for whatever reason. They think he's the best quarterback in this draft. Right. So you're going to try to trade, get, get them to trade for your pick? Yeah. And over the, maybe the set, maybe it's the, the, the Texans, even though the Texans have sent out the smoke screen that they may not draft the quarterback at all, which I don't believe, but you know, that's their smoke screen at the moment that the Texans covet Will Levis. And you know that, and all you're doing is moving down one spot to still get your guy in Bryce Young. I don't think Carolina has anything to do with this. I think it's one of two things. It is either accurate information. So let's not forget. Hey, let's not forget T Higgins is signing a contract extension. It's already been agreed to. (laughs) All right. Real quick. What do you make of that? Because that's been going around for like two weeks. I I just ignored it on last week's show because I thought so little of it. But like it's persisted into this week, the storyline that I guess basically it's one of the bloggers, one of the Bengals content creators online. It's not not like an actual media member, but one of the guys was a bunch of followers basically said that this was going to happen. Is that the case? Yeah, I, I don't, for starters, I don't think he made it up. I, I think somebody fed him bad information is what I think. And, and it could have even right. been T Higgins agent for whatever reason, just to get the, the negotiation prodded. I, I don't know what the, he's been saying that T Higgins contract negotiation is done. He's going to resign an extension, right? Yes. And he, but then he's, I think he's doubled down a thousand times to say, well, there's no timeline on it. Well, okay. Let me just say this. Joe Burrow's contract extension is done. <laughs> there's no I mean, timeline, but it is. I got no timeline on it, but it's, yeah. I mean, they will do it. Yeah. But I think I honestly, and I, that's why I, I don't want to poke fun. I, I don't. Uh, Cause I think the guy was earnest in what he said. Um, uh, I think he got bad information is what I was, what I think. And, and so that's where you got to be safe. When you get the information, you better damn well know it's right. If you're going to put it out there. Yeah. Uh, so the, yeah, the will whole will love this thing. I think it is either. This is dead on that someone happens to have this connection to Will Levis and it's real information and it's really going to happen. Scare the crap just, out of the sports books. Or it's just completely made up. Yeah. 100% made up. Now, the one thing I will say is people are acting like Vegas is just reacting to the information that posted online. That's not the case. Vegas is reacting to the amount of bets being posted correct. off that's of that correct. information. That, so it's yeah, like Vegas is winning either way here. They're not yes. getting screwed. Uh, but there, it is fascinating to just see like that because – you know, it's probably not a bunch of sharps putting in one hundred and fifty thousand dollars bets on this. It's probably enough people putting in 20 bucks in case this guy happens to be right, that it's insane to think about the amount of people that put in a bet probably on this information to get the line moved that much. No, no, no question. Now, I, I will say um, I had a friend uh, text me and, and ask about the, the possibility that I said, to, in my opinion, um, he has the highest uh, ceiling of any quarterback in this draft. And I don't say that just as a Kentucky grad. It really does remind me a lot of Josh Allen. He's got all that, all the physical attributes, the the year he was not hurt and he was well protected. He was a beast. And even last year playing through injuries. I mean, he made some big time plays behind a, just a horrifying offensive line and, and young receivers. I mean, his two best receivers were freshmen for goodness sakes, and they're going to be good. And they were good at times last year, but there was also stuff about those guys running wrong routes and, and sure that's, that happens with freshmen. So he, he was playing with that as a receiving core. So, uh, and Pete Prisco of CBS sports did what he said, what each team should do in the first round, not what he expects each team to do. And he had Will Levis going to Carolina number one. That's what he thinks they should do because of his ceiling. Well, he's got the arm. There's no doubt about that. I'm, 
I'd say the jury is still out. I wouldn't feel good if it was my team picking number one overall and that that would be the pick. I, I wouldn't feel very confident about it personally, but I'm also not counting the guy out. Like it it wouldn't surprise me if he turned into something. I but just if, don't feel like he's a surefire. No. He doesn't feel to me like the Andrew Luck or the Joe Burrow type pick. I agree with that. And I think if you're picking number one overall, you go with the safe pick and Bryce Young is probably the safe pick. And that's what I said to the person I was texting with of, of um, you know, the, 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 the ceiling is, is so much higher for Will Levis, but if you're picking number one overall, do you want, do you want safe or do you want potential ceiling or potential bust? And I just don't think you can go with potential, but I don't think Will will ever be a bust. I think he's too damn competitive to be a bust. Um, I don't know if you saw the scores that were leaked on the, the kind of modified Wonderlick test, uh, uh, Bryce Young, I think, scored the best. Will Levis was like third. C.J. Stroud was way down the charts. Now, the guy who runs that said the, the, the scores were leaked, number one, said um, some of these scores are inaccurate, wildly inaccurate. He didn't say whose, but that would be scary if you're in the C.J. Stroud camp, if, if that's any truth to that. Uh, but the Bryce Young one, again, he scores best on the test. He's got all the measurables other than his his slight frame. Um he just feels like the safer pick to me. But it's been weird with Will Levis, right? Because he's been all over the map of – you know, top four pick. No, yeah, no, he's going all the way back 10. to the beginning of last 12. year. Now he's number one. I mean, it's been crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's fluctuated ever since the beginning of last year when we were starting to talk about college football. And we we're going, right. I don't, you know, some people have the, this guy as a top quarterback on the board, period. And that doesn't seem right. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where he ends up. Now, the, the thing I will say to couch my comment about not feeling great if I was the team selecting him, I don't know that I'd feel great about selecting Bryce Young either. So. I just it doesn't feel like a great year to be picking a quarterback. Now, I say that watch all three of those guys will end up being studs in the NFL and everyone will be happy about it. But no, it's it's funny. I mean, th- think back to the Joe Burrow draft and, and those quarterbacks. Right. I mean, I think out of all of those Hertz was probably the guy you went, mm, I don't know. And he's obviously not signing a big contract or sign right. a big contract, but it always felt like both Herbert and Burrow were going to be stars. Right. I mean, it yep. just it, it, it always had that. And they are. I mean, the different degrees, I guess, but you, I mean, you could have gone wrong, I guess, in theory, if the Bengals had taken Justin Herbert, but bottom line is you didn't draft a dud if that would have been the case. Yeah. And I, I will say going back to that draft, that did feel like a good quarterback draft though. Yes. I mean, that, that, that wasn't a lot of doubt there about guys like Burrow and Herbert, especially at the top. So, right. And, and there's, I think way more, you're right. There's way more doubt about the, the, the main three guys. And even, I mean, even when we're talking Anthony Richardson in that group, and I, I still think Anthony Richardson is day for helping helping uh, uh helping him lead Kentucky to a win yeah. by throwing that interception so thank you Anthony for that and I I don't think much of him and yet his physical freak nature has everybody going gaga I'd be scared if my team was looking at picking Anthony Richardson that's all I'll say well we mentioned Will Levis in <laughs> Kentucky yeah we mentioned Will Levis Kentucky so let's keep that rolling as we switch gears to college basketball in addition to C.J. Frederick entering the portal, it was also announced that U.K. center Damian Collins is going to transfer. So the Wildcats lost two players to the portal last week. And before it, we even had a chance to get around to talking about C.J. Frederick leaving, he has already committed. He's going to another local team, Skinny. Cincinnati has added the Kentucky transfer on the wing. He obviously was a former star locally at Covington Catholic before he went to Iowa and then Kentucky, and now he's back home at Cincinnati. Bearcats also looking to add Butler forward Seamus Lukosius. Who knows when that could come down? It could His decision could come out before this podcast is even posted because I think he is closing in on one. He visited Cincinnati. So 
First of all, let's talk about C.J. Frederick. He has two years of eligibility left. He averaged six points per game in 22 minutes while shooting 32% from three-point range last year, although I really wouldn't look too much at his stats from Kentucky. I mean, that's not why you're taking C.J. Frederick at this point. The, the Kentucky experiment was a complete disaster for him. He was injured throughout pretty much that whole time there, and then when he wasn't injured, I don't really think Cal had much of a plan for him and, and how he should be used. So I wouldn't let the, the UK years discourage me too much aside from uh, the, the injury concerns. How do you feel about Cincinnati adding CJ Frederick skinny? I'll start there with the positive part of it, which yes, I agree with you. I, I wouldn't either. Um, I mean, they don't run, they didn't run anything for him and I don't, I mean, you got Oscar Shibwe and case and Wallace and then when severe Wheeler had it, he was ball dominant. So I, I get that. Um, they really didn't run a lot for him at Iowa either. I will say that, um, you know, I don't know if it was the combination of the injuries, the pressure, the fact that it feels like Cal will yank you the second you miss a shot and won't let you play through a miss. I mean, there just were a lot of mitigating factors. I think the sample size at Iowa where he shot for his career, and I'm doing this off the top of my head because I actually wrote the story of him going in the portal. Does 45% for his career sound right at Iowa? Something like that? Pretty good. Of, are you talking about from three point range or just in general? Yes. Yes. No, from three point range. Yeah. From three point range. Yeah. I, th- I, I think, think it was, was 44% one year and 46 the other. I think, I think it's actually better than that because I think he was at like 46 and 48 or 46 and 47, something like that. Yeah. That's a bigger sample size. Okay. The downside is this. And it's not even a downside, I guess, because he does, he, he does help a roster. I'll give you that part. But if anybody thinks he's going to come in and be a dude, you're kidding yourself. Well, so that's right. what I was going to that's what I was going to ask you about because we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, and I don't want to just keep beating a dead horse saying the same things over and over about Cincinnati. No, but, I, but, I, but I think it's I think what you're about to I think what you're about to say is accurate. I know where you're going with this, and I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, I mean, our our point all along has been they're going to need top of the rotation guys to to fix this roster. I mean, they didn't have enough firepower last year, and they just lost Landers Nolly and David DeJulius. They're two best offensive players. They need dudes like you're saying. And let's say, you know, the top two top guys they're in on, they landed CJ Frederick. Seamus Lukosius from Butler is another strong possibility, it seems like. I, I know he's also considering BYU. There might be another school involved there, uh, but I think it's likely to be either Cincinnati or BYU. Let's say they add him too. If they have CJ Frederick and Seamus Lukosius, would you feel like they've added top of the rotation guys? No. And the same for the Temple kid. I mean, honestly, if, if you tell me you're adding those three guys with this recruiting class, I'd say, you know what? This team's got a chance to, to, to do pretty well in the American Athletic Conference next season, finish in the top maybe two or three. And maybe if the breaks fall their way, push to maybe win the AAC. But we're not talking about the AAC any longer. You're talking about the best league in the land. Uh, these are nice rotational pieces at seven, eight, nine, ten, not as potential starters in that league. Yeah, that that, that would be my concern, too, is that. They maybe aren't. maybe Laquotius could be a starter in that league. I, I but but you know what I'm saying. I mean, you're not. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I think CJ can. I, I think you're probably a little lower on CJ than I am. I think the injury history has definitely changed the thought on him and, and where well, he's at in terms but, of his potential. He, him leaving he, Iowa, no one would have had any question if he was going to start for anyone in the country at his next location, including Kentucky. Agree, but he's but he's even it's at Iowa, he was, he was he was an eight or nine point per game guy. Now I know Garza was on that. Well, I think he, he averaged ten shooters. points a game as a freshman, right? Yeah, I think he averaged eight point eight for his career there. So I mean again, I like him. I like him as a nice rotational piece. I'm I'm with you on that. Like it, it's hard to count on him for more than that, but I do think he has the potential to be I mean like right now on UC's roster, 
I think it's it's not unreasonable to think CJ Frederick might be their best player on offense next year. Well, no offense. That's a problem then. I don't know if that's a great thing to say about UC, especially going into the Big 12, but I do think he could be that much of an upgrade for them based on what they have right now. I mean, I think it's if you have Seamus Lukosius and CJ Frederick, I think there's a very good chance that that's your starting three and four or two and four for next year's roster at UC. I will say this. If you schedule properly in the non-league, you're going to win a lot of games with those guys. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. I mean, let's uh, you're, I think the lineup right now, if I had to guess, and let's assume Seamus Lukosius ends up there. Mike Adams Woods at the one. Ugh. CJ Frederick slash Dan Skillings at the two, three. However, you see those two sliding in. Seamus Lukosius at the four. And Victor Locken or Jameel Reynolds, the kid from Temple that you referenced, at the five. I mean, how would you feel about that lineup going into the Big 12? It, it'd be concerning, I think. Yeah, I mean, but, where, do the, where, where does Rayvon fit in? Where does where does, um, where does does Jizzle James fit in? I mean, yeah, I don't think those guys are starting, do you? I don't know. I, At I mean, least not to start the year. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I, I think you're hoping they do. You're hoping you got those guys are high-level guys that can come in and, and give you big minutes right away because – the one guy I'm most interested in is Davion Thomas, the Juco point guard. Yeah, that's, that's, a, yeah, that's a good one. That's that's a good call. It, it, because to me, if you're running Mike Adams-Woods back out there as your starting point guard not next the Big year. 12. Yeah, not, no, no offense to yeah. the guy, but it really wasn't even close to being good enough in the American Athletic Correct. Conference. You can't run that back out there in the Big 12. It's, if that is the answer, I, I wouldn't have a lot of confidence in this team yeah. if I was a UC fan. But I, look, I, I do think C.J. Frederick is an upgrade. I do think adding Seamus Lukosius would be an upgrade. It's definitely the roster is better than yes. where it was a week or two ago. Agreed. If you add those two guys, absolutely there's no question that. about that. I absolutely agree with that, but we're not talking about being better. We're talking about being big 12 good. And maybe that's a big asking. You're one of the big 12. Maybe I'm asking too much or thinking too much. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, I guess here, here's the other question. I mean, are, are Frederick and Lucocious better than DeJulius and Nolly? I'm saying no to that. No, I I mean, to me, I don't even think it's really yeah. much of a question. Now, yeah. I think Lukosius will change how he plays a little bit. Like, I think he'll shoot over 200 threes in West Miller's system. So he could be more of a, a go-to scorer for UC. I'm not questioning that, but like defensively, he's really going to struggle in the Big 12. He's not a rebounder despite being 6'7", 225. So there are some things you're going to have to make up for if he ends up being your power forward. And, you know, I'm not sure if Victor Lockins ready to make up for those things. Maybe Jameel Reynolds will help with some of that added toughness and rebounding and defense inside. But, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how they put the rest of this roster together. Yeah, and again, I'm, I, listen, I love CJ in high school. I thought it was a great fit for him in Iowa. I thought it was going to be a great fit for him at Kentucky. And, and I'm not holding Kentucky against him. I mean, he was hurt. Yep. And there's a lot of factors there, like I said. I think there is – I think there's an un – it's an intangible. I think sometimes the pressure of playing for Kentucky is just so intense that it really does get under some guy's skin. And I think there was maybe some of that with him, especially as a shooter, that everybody expected him to make every shot. And when he didn't, I think he got down on himself a little bit and Cal got down on him a little bit. I think there's some of that, although I think a lot of it has to do with you can't pick a worse fit for him no, in right, terms of right. how he plays no, and right. what a coach values. I mean, no offense. Coach Cal said he wanted to bring in some guys who could shoot and some skilled guys who could play. He didn't really want those guys. He didn't want to play them. He didn't want to trust them. It was very obvious. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, let's move on here. Talk some Reds real quick. The Reds have picked up a pair of comeback wins over the last two nights at Great American Ballpark over the Texas Rangers. Bless their hearts. To move within a half game of fourth place in the NL Central, Skinny. They currently sit in last with a record of 9-15. and 15. They have the worst road record 
in all of baseball at one and nine. And it is a little disappointing. The people's champ, Jason Vossler, was DFA'd this week. Uh, Hank Ramos. Shocking, I tell you. Brought to the big league team. Uh, The team is in the midst of its longest homerless streak in 30 years, Skinny. They haven't hit one in in over a week now. Uh, Do you know why? Do you know why? I I do know why. I'm, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts, though. No, here's why. Honestly, you absolutely challenged the baseball guys with that weak ass Viking helmet stuff. And they finally said enough is enough. We're not going to let you hit another home run and embarrass yourselves any longer. A hundred percent. They're like, look, you guys are five games under 500 and you want to do this stupid celebration. And now you're rowing the boat after doubles that you hit. Uh, We're just never going to let you get another extra base hit again. <laughs> something to it. That's basically what's been happening for the last oh, week and a half. Right? Well, but I mean, I, I give them credit. I mean, they, they were down in the dumps and the, in the bounce back from big deficits these last two nights, you know, credit where credit's due. You got a couple of wins over a crappy bullpen, um, but it is a couple of wins and at least makes you feel good. I mean, the, the sad part is I turned the game off last night. Didn't even realize they'd won until I woke up this morning and looked at my phone. Well, Skinny, did you see the big crowd that watched those games at the ball? Well, uh, allegedly there was there was um, uh, I think nine thousand last night, nine nine hundred for three two one night, and eighty eight hundred the night before. I think if you drop right. off the first nine from last night and the first eight from the night before, you probably got it right. Uh, I was just going to say that's about accurate. If you if you remove the first digit in both of those numbers, you got a, a closer representative of what actually took place at Great American Ballpark. Believe it or not, Monday. I went down there. Now, I did not actually go to Great American Ballpark and buy a ticket and go inside. I went to the MGM Sportsbook that's attached to it, and I watched the NBA games when they tipped off while looking down the right field line there. And I tell you what, if the Reds were good at all, you wouldn't be able to get a seat in that place. There is not a cooler setup that I've been to. Other, So can you see the game? You can watch right down the right field line as good a seats as... I get most of the time in that ballpark. I mean, they are, it's totally fine. You can sit there in a seat right against the window, order wings and rings, have it brought to your table and watch that. We watched the comeback. I mean, I was there to watch the NBA games and bet on them and hang out with a couple of buddies, but we ended up getting interested in the Reds game because it's going on and it got interesting. And they started, the uh, Rangers started walking runs in there in the, in the ninth. And then all of a sudden the, the Reds get a comeback win and we watched the walk-off. So, I mean, the setup is really cool. And if you're someone who still cares about watching this Reds team, then I'd highly recommend not getting a ticket going into the game. Just go to the sports book, go in there, you get cheaper food, better food, and uh, a nice seat inside to, to watch the game. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the problem is who really cares to sit down and, and watch this team play, whether you, you have it's the hard. time and it's nice or not. It's hard. It really is hard. It's brutal. But again, I I, I, I highly recommend the MGM Sportsbook situation there because that is, I, I watched a lot of the college basketball games there, and I was curious when the Reds actually start playing, what's going to be the setup? Like, how are they going to handle that? And it's, I mean, nothing's really changed. You can I wonder at that right point, there by the window and watch the game. Yeah, I wonder at that point, if they just don't sell those as seats. Well, I mean, they, they are not right now. And I tell you what, there was not a soul in there. I mean, it was literally just me and the table of guys that I was with. So really? no one else was taking advantage of it. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if people don't know or, you know, like you said, I mean, there were only 800 people in the entire building period to watch the game. So I, I don't know that anyone really needed to move that far away from home plate. But I, I do have a Reds question for you, um, sure. and it kind of revolves around the lack of power. What do you make of Tyler Stevenson at the moment? I think this is kind of my the concern I always had about Tyler Stevenson when everyone was talking about, let's move him to first base. He's, got, he's such a great hitter. Let's move him to first base. Like, eh. 
is he really such a great hitter if you move him to first base? Like, are we sure about that? Is is he really going to be like this dominant cog in the middle of your lineup that people seem to act like he is? Like, no, he's a good hitting catcher. That's what he was. And now he's not even that. Yeah, but I, I do. And I think we said this when we talked about this before the season. I, I don't mind it for right now. I mean, because I want to avoid any injury for him to where sure. you do have when it is Encarnacion strand. And maybe they change their mind when he comes up. And, and if he rakes it all, whenever that may be, that may not even be till July for all. I may not even be this, this season for all I know. But if that kid comes up and starts raking, uh, you know, maybe you change your mind about Tyler Stevens at that point that it's literally he's maybe a one day a week first baseman. And then the rest of the time, it's three days a week as a catcher and two days a week as the DH, whatever. More than that, uh, he's behind the plate a whole lot more. But I think this whole season is uh, get, getting through it, not getting hurt. Yeah, I mean Stevenson's hitting 272. If you're wondering, he has yeah. It's no I mean, the average is not awful, but the but yeah. the, there's no home runs and no home runs. Kind four of alarming. I mean, I, I, I can already, yeah. And that's the other part. Four doubles. It's not like he's hitting gap shots or whatever that just aren't getting out of the ballpark. There's there's not much pop at all right now. Yeah. For reference, Jonathan India leads the team with eight doubles, and he also has a homer. Tyler Stevenson has four doubles, no home runs. That that I mean, just look at those two guys standing next to each other. That's not great for Tyler Stevenson. No, and you're you're now a sixth of the way through the season. So I mean, I, you, you've got a pretty solid sample size. Doesn't mean he can't get hot here at some point, but it, I think the the lack of all of that is is alarming. The lack of doubles and homers. I mean, if he's got ten doubles and no homers, I go okay, homers are going to come. But right, yeah, that's where you feel like he's just missing a couple, or it's you're getting some bad luck. But right now, it just doesn't. He's not hitting the ball that way. <laughs> he's not just missing. He's not swinging like he's going to be hitting any home runs anytime soon yeah, either. Yeah. All right, let's switch gears one more time here to the NBA. We have a couple of series that have already finished up in the first round. Out West, it, there's two series already done. Denver, the one seed beat eight seed Minnesota four games to one. And also Phoenix, the four seed took down the Clippers, the five seed four games to one. So Denver and Phoenix will match up in the Western Conference semifinals. Ooh, that's a good one, too. Ooh. That is going to be really good. And then in the East, we have Philadelphia beating Brooklyn four games to none. So Philly is through to the Eastern Conference semifinals. Milwaukee is down three to one to Miami. And then Miami's the eight seed going up against the one in that situation. Obviously, there's been some some injuries in that series, and uh, it hasn't gone as expected. But <laughs> And there's been Jimmy Butler in that series. Jimmy Butler has been ridiculous. And then uh, New York, the five seed, has a three to one lead on Cleveland, the four seed in the East. Then Boston, the two seed, with a three to two lead over Atlanta, the seven seed. It seemed like Atlanta was going to be down and out. And then uh, Trey Young went off. And now all of a sudden, that is a series, three to two. So uh, we will see how that finishes up in the East. In the West, in the bottom half of the bracket, you've got Sacramento and Golden State tied two to two. Bit of a surprise there. A lot of people had Golden State advancing easily. Uh, also, the Lakers, as the seven seed, have a three to one lead over Memphis, the two seed. So I don't think that's much of a surprise there. Um, th there's been some issues with Memphis, but the Lakers being a seven seed was uh, obviously not exactly indicative of the type of team that they are. In the no, and, of the and, and, and in fact, we, we I, I talked about this a few weeks ago when they lost to the Clippers late in the regular season. That was going to probably benefit them. It got them away from Phoenix. It allowed them to play Memphis and Memphis. I mean, they earned the two seed and all that, but it's, are they really the second best team in the West when push comes to shove and you put rosters together? Are they really? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. If we're being honest. Can I ask you something, by the way? Yep. I think Dylan Brooks is an absolute punk. There's no question. He's a punk. He, he's, he, he wants to be a punk and that's great. Just go ahead and be a punk. 
but the, the play in which LeBron went down like he'd been sniper. Did you think he hit him all that hard? Uh, you're talking about where he punched him in the junk. But did he? Yeah, well, yes, he did hit him in the junk intentionally, for sure. Now, did LeBron sell it and do all the theatrics that LeBron typically does? Yes, but LeBron does that like when someone swings okay. and misses him by three feet as he's driving down the lane. So like people reacting to LeBron's whining for fouls at this point or his overreaction to when he does get fouled to me is just like, okay, whatever. You still going to complain that soccer players flop too? It's like, it's been going on for two decades at this point. Like seriously, it's get used to it. He's not going to change. That's who he is. Now, Dylan Brooks is a loser. No, question. I can't stand this guy. I like the villains. I like the guy. Like even what, even when the uh, Lance Stevenson thing was going on where he's like blowing in LeBron's ear right. and, and was the LeBron stopper. Like that was funny to me. Dylan Brooks isn't funny. He's just annoying. It's like, dude, you're not even close to being better than all the problems and smack you're talking. Well, so- that, and, that, and that's the part for me is, is listen, I mean, I got my issues with LeBron too, but um, you know, the whole he's old. Okay. Maybe he is old. He's still better than you are punk. And he still, and again, it was the whole, don't poke the bear. Well, you did. And they were probably better than you already. Why add fuel to the fire? I mean, if that, it feels like it's almost faux that he's making this all up to, I'm going to be this new NBA tough guy. I'll be the new Draymond. Well, good for you. What's it, what's it done for you guy? He is the social media influencer era of the NBA. Like he's totally just doing something to get the clout and the attention and, and get his name out there, but he doesn't have the substance to back it up. And that's what Correct. unfortunately is we're probably going to continue to see more of people be like turning their platform as a professional athlete into professional wrestling and cutting promos and trying to be this personality because it sells and they, they want to be an influencer and they want to get ad deals and do all types of other stuff. So I think you'll continue to see more guys do this Dylan Brooks thing. Now the, the coolest part of it all was, I don't know. Did you see the video? I think it was before game three of LeBron going up to him beforehand. I did not. So, so there was a, a video of him and you can bar- barely hear the audio. They clearly weren't mic'd up or anything, but that you can hear the audio enough where LeBron basically just like walked over to him in, in warm-up lines and was just like, Hey man, like you're causing too many problems. All that mess you're talking. You're not even good enough for that. You're not ready for me. You can't handle me. I'm going to be great. in your ass all night type of deal. It was just like really casual about it. And LeBron has dominated him the rest of the series. Like he's had no answer. And even the other night, close situation, one-on-one, LeBron just calls him out, puts his head down, goes right through him for an and one. It's just like, man, there's why would you call that man out? He is a freight train playing basketball. It's, yeah, yeah. Is he old? Sure he is by NBA standards, but he's still kicking your ass and he's better than you and he's going to be better than you. And by the way, like just the other night, there was a, he was weak side. Someone goes up for a floater at the rim. He gets up off his feet without even taking a step, just instant vertical, jumps up, swats the ball the air, sprints back the other end, catches it in the mid post, hits a turnaround fadeaway from about 18 feet. And it's like, what? the guy's 38 years old. Right. And he's got like a, a 38 standing vertical, 38 inch standing vertical without even needing to take a step. I mean, that's just yeah. insane. Insane. Well, uh, I still I still feel pr- I've got four future book bets on the NBA champion. I got Philly was my only Eastern team. And then I took the Lakers. Sacramento and Denver. And I say that with, and you and I talked before the podcast, believing that now Phoenix was probably the pick. But but, but Phoenix was the favorite. So there wasn't a lot of value in taking them. I actually would rather do what you did, which uh, you have the Nuggets, who I think there's a very good chance they could beat Phoenix. And if they do, they should definitely be considered the favorite, I think. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. And then obviously you've got the the opposite side. You should have both teams, right? And I'll be be honest with you, man. 
you know, I know the Lakers are a hyped up team and all that just because of who they got, but when they're healthy and these bit players are doing their thing, they're damn good. Well, I actually just wanted to ask you about that. I think the Lakers are a real threat to win it all if they're going to play this hard on defense the rest of the playoffs. They are a different team with their effort right now. I don't know if that starts with LeBron because he's definitely been playing harder on defense and being more active, or if it's just something where the role players have kind of figured out, hey, this is actually what role players are supposed to do is just play their balls off every single game. I think a little of both. Uh, But they have turned up the intensity another notch. It's like when you've got some of these guys spritting all over the floor, diving after loose balls and playing, and you still got LeBron back there directing traffic and and being LeBron when he needs to, you've got a real chance to win an NBA title. I I think the Lakers are a serious threat. I do too. The other thing I loved, the Knicks teaming up old Villanova teammates, Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart, just two absolute winners, maybe not superstars, but guys that are kind of on that next cusp of, of being right there at really good, not quite star level, maybe. I mean, Jalen Brunson got that huge contract, obviously, and he, he's become almost like a star in the NBA. But those two guys, great humans, winners every step of the way, and have incredible chemistry. I kind of like this idea of finding two guys. and They're not the first college teammates that have been paired back up in the NBA, but two guys like that who you just know are great locker room guys, great chemistry guys about all the right things. Uh, and look at what the Knicks are doing. They're playing great basketball when it matters. Yeah, and well, Dallas has to rue the day and let Jalen Brunson walk. I mean, because he he did not need to be ball dominant where Kyrie does, and that, that pairing with Luka never was going to work. But I, I got to say this, and I said this, uh, I do a radio hit every Monday in Lexington on a, on a Lexington station. And um, the host asked me, you know, watching the NBA playoffs. I said, yeah, I said, I said, uh, uh, you know, loved watching the Knicks game at home, them being at home. When the Knicks are relevant, there is nothing like a playoff game in the garden. Seriously. Right? There's really not. There's not. And the atmosphere outside of it, too. I mean, just the videos coming out of New York. Right. And stuff. It's been so long, it feels like, since they it were like, really into it. And the last few years, but there's been kind of this ramp up process. Like you had the, the Julius Randle year a couple of years ago. Remember when he got them into the playoffs? I think they were the eight seed and they were like that feisty eight seed and everyone was enjoying that. Um, now I've, I've enjoyed watching the Knicks and the garden is just unrivaled when it's it is. like that it, in the playoffs. It, it, I mean, you know, those 90s playoffs with the Pacers and the Knicks was just so fabulous to me. And it just any playoffs, the Knicks and those other 90s, because the, the, the guard is just a different place when, when things are going well and hopping. And it was hopping on Sunday. One last question for you real quick, going back to the East. Do you think the trio of Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo and Tyler Harrow can win a championship? Um, no, no, I don't, but I think Jimmy Butler can try to do it by himself. God, I mean, they're always in the mix though. Like as much as I don't trust them and don't think they can win a championship as a big three together, like they've kind of made some runs. Like they've been sure. to the, the semifinal, you know, the Eastern conference finals, like, um, and they're right there again, you know, making making plays and Jimmy Butler's playing incredible well, again. And you start looking at the way things are shaking out. You're like, this team can't actually win a title, right? I mean, yeah. that's not going to happen. Yeah, well, in, in the NBA, while it's a player's league and I, I do think coaches can be very interchangeable, he's a damn good coach. Yeah, Eric Spolster is really good. Yeah. It's so funny because he was new when that LeBron, D-Wade, right. Chris Bosh team right. made their run and won it. And a lot of people thought, you know, one, they thought he should be fired before they won it. And then after they won it all, everyone made fun of him. I'm like, oh, yeah, boy, wonder genius is just, you know, you've got LeBron on your team and D-Wade on your team. How good of a coach are you really? Well, it turns out that guy could 
really yeah. coach. And he is probably the best coach LeBron's played for. Yeah, maybe during his but, career. Although I like Mike Brown. He played for Mike Brown. Yeah, I think Mike Brown's good. I don't think he's as good as Eric Spolstra. No, agreed. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's get into some Ask Skinny Anything. Let's do it. Skinny, does it bother you what Deion Sanders is doing at Colorado? Have you seen this where he's basically shipped yes. the whole team off? They didn't even have enough guys so, uh, for their spring game to play full 11 on 11. So I read a piece this morning. It's funny about the, that question came up. I was actually reading a piece this morning. They, he, they have 44 guys that have transferred out. As the roster stands right now with incoming transfers and, and incoming recruits, and they've already had some early enrollees, right, um, that have transferred in, their roster sits at about 70. So they still got about 20 spots to fill in the portal, which feels like a lot, but probably isn't. Do I like what he's doing? No. But is it the the, the way of college football slash college basketball today? It is probably not to this extent. But if you're turning over a, a, a one in 11 type of team, well, what the hell do you want those guys for anyway? If you can boot them out and bring in new blood that you think is your blood, go for it, man. I got no problem with it. That's the way of the world today. I guess let me let me ask you maybe a different question or rephrase the question. Do you have confidence in what Deion Sanders is doing and it working as, out for Colorado? As goofy as it sounds, because I do think it's just a it feels like a big game and almost a made for TV reality show. I do. Yeah, I was I was all in when they made the hire. I have to admit, I'm starting to get a little wary of like, uh, is this too much of a reality show for him? Does he really just think he's God and like he can do no wrong and it's all going to work out no matter what? Because some of this is starting to get a little like, okay, but you do need players. You know what I mean? Like you do have to have an offensive line that has some chemistry and it's not, it can't just be grabbing any dude off the street or grabbing Agreed. any last transfer portal option. You do have to have some guys that are like solid, understand your system, want to be there, are not just mercenaries. I understand there's going to be a huge process as he reshapes this roster, but I'm curious to see what this year looks like. Oh, because I am totally curious. It's starting to feel more and more like there's a higher potential for an absolute disaster than I ever thought. I don't know. I think they were already a disaster as it was, so why not that's take true. this route and see what you can do with it? I mean, uh, That's a fair point. Can you do much worse? No, no, not, not, actually, that's that's a good point is at the end of the day, it's like, can you be any worse than they already were? And the answer is no. Yeah. So what, what does it really matter? Uh, someone asked, what do you think of mock drafts, Skinny? Well, I do them because it's part of my job. Um, I know fans enjoy them. I think the simulators have made it way more fun. I, I had to do some as recently as 2015, 2016, maybe 2017 without simulators. So where. I'm trying to be fair to what I take, right? Where you're trying to take a guy at a graded round and you're those make it harder. Right. But at times in the mocks, I look and go, that's not even, you know, the, the simulator takes you up to this point. You're like, well, wait a minute. Why is that guy gone? And why is that guy? That makes no sense to me. And I, I have to go back and start again, hoping to get it more realistic. So um, it's, it's, it's not close to realism, but, but it's fun, I guess. And fans like it and the simulators have made it more fun. But it's funny. I told you I did one with Dan Horde and we we taped it live. Like I had to explain why I was making the picks and all that. And, you know, why maybe I passed on a guy or Dan would stop it. And we'd look back at some guys that were gone. And I said, no, boy, if he was there, I think I probably would have taken him, but he's not. But I did one from the PFF simulator a month or so ago. And I took Michael Mayer and he gave me a C plus grade on just that pick, not on the overall draft, just on that pick. I think I got a B plus for the overall draft. I had some A's mixed in after that. Gave me a C plus. This time around, it gave me a B plus grade. W what has changed? Interesting. I know that is certainly interesting. Yeah. So I mean, that's the that's 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 the where I I'm not against mock drafts. I 
listen, I share it only because it's my job. I don't think I'd do a mock draft to call my buddy up and go, gosh, you're not going to believe how I mocked the Bengals. <laughs> well, I, I like the idea now, you've just put this in my head, that all of these grades that these things are spitting out are just randomly generated. Like it's none of weird. them are connected to anything. They're just randomly throwing out. Oh yeah. You get a C plus and, and people are like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. You're an idiot. You only got a C plus. I, <laughs> I did one. I, I traded back 14 times. I ended up with 26 picks. Cause I traded back a thousand times. And it gave God me a minus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, I, the mock draft thing is, is funny this time of year, but it's like, it's completely unavoidable. And I understand why, you know, fans like it and why it, they feel it's good content. It's just one of those necessary evils if you do it, I guess. Well, listen, every it's why fantasy football exists in, in, in a way. Everybody wants to be a GM or a coach or an owner or whatever. And this is your way to feel like you can do that. And I, that's fine. You, well, it's also what else are you doing this time of year, right? Yeah, I mean, correct. Correct. Uh, if Skinny could go back in time to view one game, match, or bout in person, any sport, any era, what would he pick? Give me two seconds on this. I would go with probably in person Bobby Thompson's home run against the Brooklyn Dodgers. Um, the supposed shot heard round the world in 1954. Wow. Or the prices of hot dogs and a beer at that game. <laughs> I think I've got enough in my wallet right now to cover it. And I don't carry a lot of cash with me. Yeah, uh, that'd be that'd be great if you could take back to like today's money to those times. Oh, yeah. No, you know, like. Yeah, oh, I've got got a couple hundred in my wallet here. That's like being what? You know, having ten thousand dollars. Correct. Back then. Correct. You could get the blue blue plate special with a cup of coffee for 80 cents, man. Yeah, I don't know if they had diamond seats back then. I'm going to guess they they probably didn't. Plus, plus that game was in the polo grounds. I would have loved to have seen a game in the polo grounds. Oh, that'd be fun. Uh, This guy said his quick answer would be miracle on ice. Great call at the in person. That's a that's a great that is a great call. I can't imagine the energy of of that. I thought the movie portrayed the energy of of them winning it, where Herb Brooks or Kurt Russell in this case, when it's over, he kind of goes underneath the, the the stands a little bit to, to be by himself and have a moment by himself, and you could almost feel his emotion and probably what Herb Brooks' emotion was at that that point in time, and to be in the building for that. Wow, that that that's that's, that's a great one, no doubt. You know what? One's not like a a big game or not definitely not something that people would answer to this, but one game I've always thought would be awesome to go back and be there for that. I don't think a lot of people would call out Jordan's first game back in Madison square garden. Remember when he returned with the the bulls or the whiz with the bulls when he came back from his baseball hiatus, his gambling hiatus. Yeah. 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 Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, that's the one. Yeah, that's a good call. I don't think I'd be at the top of my list, but I no. wouldn't be in there. I, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's not it's not the right answer to this question, and it's not like the the biggest game you would want to go back for. But it's one that I you know never no one ever really talked about. I was like that would have been a cool moment to be there for. This is such a great question because you could go so many different directions with this answer. I mean, this game wasn't. I don't even know if they did radio for the game. I'm about to say. I know there was no. There's no video of it for sure. Wilt's a hundred point game. Mm. Great call. Great call. Yeah, that's that's a definite one. I, th- there is a video of it, right? I've, not, I've never seen a clip. I don't I think, no, I'm pretty sure there's no video of it whatsoever. Yeah, just the picture of him holding up the 100. Yeah, correct. Course. That's the only thing I know from it. You're right. I don't even know if there's even uh, pictures of, of action from that. I'm sure there are. But <laughs> right. But yeah, that, I can't recall ever it. seeing a picture of it. No, that's the picture that comes to my mind is the one you just mentioned. Yeah. 
All right. That's That's a great question. Think of all the great college basketball games along the way. I mean, I would have loved to have been in the, in the Astrodome for Elvin Hayes versus Lou Alcindor when they beat him 71 69 Um, magic versus bird game Magic versus bird game. Although it was, it it, it had luster and I can remember watching it as a, as a, as a, as a kid. Um, But it feels like that game, the aura of that game grew as their NBA careers grew more than it was at the time. But yes, I agree. Yeah, you're right. Well, it was Michigan State, Indiana State at the time, right? And I will say, I, I, I did see Magic play in college in person. Really? Yeah, the year they lost to Kentucky in 78 in the regional final up at UD Arena. My, my dad and I went up. He had he got tickets for that one. It was and, uh, uh, it was just crazy at the time to watch a 6'8 point guard. It was just insane. Kyle Anderson one-upped him. Kyle Macy. No, no, I'm talking about Kyle oh, Anderson, yes, the, current, yes, the current the current six nine player, <laughs> yeah, that yes, played. Yeah, um, well, well, Victor, Victor Wembanyama, however you pronounce his name, he's going to one up them all. Yeah, seven foot four point guard. Yes, um, you've got to win either a game of darts, cornhole, or horseshoes to save your life. What's the game, Skinny? I would go. I'm terrible at darts. I'm just horrifyingly bad. Um. I wouldn't say horrifyingly bad. I'm not like I missed the board. I just, I'm, I, I'm just not good at that. I don't play it very often. Believe it or not, my next door neighbor built a horseshoe pit. He's since moved. What is he? 150 years old? No, he was in his 60s. Okay. So I would go over and play horseshoes with him on occasion, and yeah, I, I would go horseshoes. I'm, I'm okay at cornhole. I'm not as great as I, I should be as a guy who pitched a lot of softball. I'm just, I, I wish I was better. I mean, I can, I'm capable. I don't think I'd threaten the Daner Cornhole Classic title, though. I, I have my name. I know. I, on I, know. A yeah, I, I know that trophy. I, I, I realize that. Not because of anything I did. I was just with Jay Who's Morrison's buddy, who was a ringer. Jay's buddy Hal. Oh, okay. Well, He's I think a stud. Daner's dad's pretty good too, right? Yeah, Daner's dad is a stud yeah, that's too. What I yeah. Th- both of those guys, um, this guy Hal that I was with and Daner's dad are both the type that you know, like two or three out of every four are in the hole, pretty much. Wow. I mean, it's just like, yeah, you, if you're playing with them, you better be on it. So so I did give the old man answer of game of horseshoes. Yeah, that was incredible. Now, the great thing about horseshoes is you're you could, you know, potentially throw a ringer and like win. Or you could also break your buddy's shins with a 25 pound weight that you're throwing at them. Yeah, there's that flipping too. awkwardly. So I might go game of horse. Well, that wasn't an option, but that would be a good one. I mean, I, just, I, I think the impetus of this was to try to pick the bar games that require no athleticism at all. That's a good. That's a good. Right. Well, so horse doesn't require skin. a ton of that. I'll tell you, here's how I, I, in fact, I have a kid that he plays at Lee college, um, division two school. And he was a great shooter, um, uh, played AAU for me. And he was, he was a terrific long range shooter, even as a middle schooler and, and whatnot. So he was always after, after practice, come on, coach, I'm playing a game. Horse. I said, no, I'm going to, I'll kick your ass. and It won't be funny. And everybody's going to laugh at you. He goes, no way. Ain't no way. I said, okay. So I beat him on, like little underhand scoop shots, like where you have to swish or you have to bank swish, you know, those little things. Oh, yeah. He couldn't do any of that. Yeah. That's and, an old and, school move, right? There. And I can, and, 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 you know, he'll make a 25 footer and I can step out and make a 25 footer too, but not as much as he could. But as soon as I got control of the board, he was done. That's just, old, that's old man mental warfare right it, there. It, it absolutely is. Yeah. That's the classic, just shooting like two footers and calling swish on them, yep. stuff like that. Yeah. The young men can't handle that. That's nope. an old man's game. Nope. Uh, I'm going, I th- well, here's the question. Am I playing against someone who's like experienced in these games and good at them? Or am I playing against a, a complete newbie? Because if it's like a newbie, then I'm going cornhole. 
because I'd be more in control of that. But like right. more people, more people are good at cornhole than they are darts. And I'm pretty good at darts. Are you? Okay. I was going to ask yeah. you if you even played darts. I don't even, didn't even know you played darts. Yeah. Actually, during uh, quarantine. Are you in a dart league? No, not at all. But okay. during quarantine, occasionally at Edgewood Tavern back in the day yep. in my yep. 20s, I would throw when I was drunk. And then uh, during quarantine, my wife and I put up a, a darts board in her basement. And so we would play darts against each other or we would like zoom in friends and, and play darts that one of our. Oh, the, oh, the things we did under quarantine. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? The zany days of quarantine. We were playing darts over Zoom. Meanwhile, I was playing online poker with my buddies over over Zoom. Yeah. No, I mean, th- there would be arguments where you'd have to like bring up your your webcam up to show like, no, see, that is actually in the 20 there. It's not just outside. That's of it. great. Uh, all right. The the timeless question for a male podcast. Who wins in a fight, Skinny, a gorilla or a bear? That's a great one. The, the, they both have the ability to hug you out, but the bear can just maul you with his teeth and his claws. Um, I'm going bear. Yeah, obviously, there's some nuance here, depending on what type of bear you're talking about. But overall, just in general, you take the bear, I think. I mean, I, I can't imagine anything more horrifying than you're on a nice little hike through nature and a giant grizzly bear just growls. I... You know, that's the whole thing of play dead or whatever. I ain't playing dead. I've already crapped my pants and I'm just going to run and hope. Yeah, he's smelling that. He's, yeah, correct. He knows you're not, Cor- you're not dead. Correct. Yeah, that's yeah, that would be brutal. Yeah, for me, it's easy. I think it's a bear. I'm, I don't know if you remember, but um, a number of years ago, we got into arguments about dinosaurs and like lions. Do you remember? That? I remember that. Yeah, yeah T-Rex or lions. That was yeah. I thought that was a better debate. Um, what is your favorite French fry type, Skinny? Like from a store or crinkle cut or waffle cut or like McDonald's cut? What do you think we're asking here? I think that's exactly. I think you just answered what they're asking is like, what what type of fry is your favorite? Man, I'm off a bunch of examples. I, I am so partial to, to McDonald's fries when they're hot and they're, they're right. But honestly, you give me a good Chick-fil-A waffle fry because of what you can. Do. I'm a big I'm a big yeah. vinegar guy on fries, and it seems to hold the malt vinegar way, way better for me. And that's the thing about the waffle fries in general. It's like whether it's ketchup or cheese sauce or malt vinegar, whatever you're doing with your fries, waffle fries are the best chariot to. Yeah. In fact, it's funny. I don't even use any condiment with McDonald's fries. No, me neither. I can't remember the last time I had McDonald's fries. I I can't either. Now I'm craving them. (laughs) I'm the same. I'm not sure the last time I did either. Are you a curly fry guy? Um, It's the least favorite of them. Uh, I'll, if I go to Arby's, I'll get them, but I get them only because that's where you can. I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not anti, but I'm not going out of my way to go find curly fries. I don't like the seasoning. I see. I like curly fries, but also like Arby's is mainly the one place you would get them. There are some sit down restaurants that may have them and those are usually better. But Arby's like after maybe, I don't know, 10 of those fries, they start. There's some weird taste that takes over your mouth and then it's no good. It's yes. like this weird grease yeah. thing going on. Yeah. It's like. It's kind of disgusting. I I like the initial like first two or three fries, but then after that, it's like, ah, eh, these are weird. I got to tell you when I'm, I, I think I've said this before, my my fast food hamburger go to hamburgers or Wendy's um, they're, they're They've made a big deal of their new fries. And I got to tell you, they're pretty good. I, I like Wendy's. OK, they've changed their fries so many times over the years. It feels like I think they've hit. I think they've hit on the sweet spot with this recent. Yeah, I, I like their current fries. Um, Your favorite Cincinnati patio bar, Skinny. Um, I'm not a patio bar. I, I mean, if we do go anywhere, it's usually barley corns on Lakeside Park to sit outside. Um, I used great to patio. Go, it is a great patio. I, I like it a lot. Um, 
I'd say that's probably the one for me. Uh, I used to go to Shakey's up on US 42 when he owned Shakey's Pub and Grub. He no longer owns it. Um, he had a nice little patio out back where they'd have music and we knew a couple people that would play on occasion. So we'd go up there and listen to them. So that's probably it for me. I'm, I'm not a big bar guy, Rick. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't go out of my way. If I go to a bar, it's usually to meet somebody to watch a game. So that usually means we're inside watching the game. Yeah. Sports bars. That's, I kind of have that same thing. Well, I mean, also we're Northern Kentucky guys. So it's like, yeah, barley farms. That's the first thing that comes to mind when you say patio. So, yeah, I'd probably go with that. What's the best way to quit a job, Skinny? Well, I mean, are, are you quitting it to move on to someplace else where you're hoping for a nice recommendation and, and you're not wanting to burn a bridge because you need that person? Or Knowing the person who asked this question, they're <laughs> looking for the most entertaining way to quit a job, I would well, guess. Well, I, I had a I, – I, there was a guy back in my radio days who was a sales rep who, who peed on his boss's desk after he left. <laughs> Nobody could ever prove it, but it was told. Well, I mean, what? How did the person who did the peen tell everybody or did someone he, he, else? He told colleagues. Yes. Oh, so do you believe he did it? I do believe he did it. Yes. That's nice. What did, uh, did the other guy ever know? Um, or, or I think gal, through the grapevine. Yes. But by that point, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing you could do, I guess. But it just I, I, I guess my thought there was like did there start to be a smell at some point did oh, they sit no, down I think, some dampness no, no from what i understand it just kind of sat there oh yeah that's actually kind of disgusting now it is but, but like, that that tells you where that relationship probably was now at that point though i would also fear that that boss would get on the horn and say hey beware of fred who you just hired he i don't i can't prove he did this i'm being told he did this but just beware you but, just hired a whack job yeah but don't you think that makes your former employee look way more insane than you. Like if, if someone called and said, I did that to them, I'd be like, and you believed them? That I don't person know, man. is mentally yeah, that's, deranged. That's, I mean, yeah, that uh, I, I would, I would still even, no matter how, no, no pun intended, pissed off you are. I, I don't think I would go that route. I think that's nah, probably a little extreme. No, nah, I think the pun was intended there. Yeah, maybe, maybe. How would Skinny describe his driving style? We'll end on this. Um, I- Okay, so I, I don't think I'm uber aggressive by any stretch. I don't speed. I will I will go five to seven miles an hour over the speed limit. Um, I go to the passing lane. You know what I go to the passing lane to do, Rick? This is going to be the craziest thing you've ever heard. You know what I do in the passing lane? I'm going to guess you pass people. Right. And then you get back over if, if, if at all possible. Um, when I went when driving to the Masters with my buddy and he drives uber fast, I'm not going to lie. We, we had the the the. Uh, what do you call it? The laser beam thing that picks up and he picked up a couple of cops off of it. So thank goodness for that. But dude, going 85 miles an hour down some of the hills through the, through the Western side of, or the, whatever, the Eastern side of Tennessee into North Carolina was a little dicey for me, but I can't tell you how many cars we rolled up on. He's going 85 in a seventies, probably going too fast. Right. But literally he'd have to notch it down to like 62. And it's like, what are we doing? And then it would usually be either uncle Fred who doesn't understand or most of the times, young kid on phone in fast lane, having no freaking clue what they're doing. Well, oh, there may be young kid not knowing what they're doing, but I'll say this. There are a major, major issue on the roads right now. There are. It is the adult, like, I'd say 40 to 60 on their phone. Oh, no, I, I had one yesterday. I was behind him uh, in, in, on 275. And again, I was going probably 72. It's a 65 mile an hour zone. So um, I'm pretty careful with that. And 
I get around this truck to pass. And all of a sudden I roll up on a guy and I have to throttle it down to 60. And then of course, you know, the guy next to me, he's not even going to speed limit. He's going 62 puddle along. He's not paying any attention. Sometimes if I'm in that case, drop back and let me back in or something or speed up, do yeah. one of two things. I always call it. There's nothing worse than the cycle side by side racing. Yep. There's no, nothing worse than that. We, we had one coming back. We were actually in the middle of Kentucky. We might've been just short of Richmond. And it goes to three lanes in this one part of 75. A lot of 75 through Kentucky is, is two lanes through a chunk of it through past Lexington, whatnot. Literally, dude, three, all three lanes, the, the slow lane, the middle lane, and the fast lane were all going the same speed for literally three or four miles. Yeah, that's the worst. At some point, someone take the lead, please. Somebody take the lead. But the guy I rolled up on, I'm like, what do we got here? Oh, my God, who is this? And it, it was a middle-aged dude on his phone and kind of looked over and like, what's your problem? My problem is you're not paying attention. Yeah. And look, I mean, everyone's on their phones right now. That's a big problem with distracted driving in general. But the one distinction I will make is we heard so much about all these young kids are on their phones all the time, which was true. It was an issue. But the one thing the young kids can do is multitask a little bit. They can text with one hand and do this quickly, glance at it, text without looking, do all the things on their phones easily. The problem with the 40 to 60 crowd is right. they're hunting and pecking with two hands, one finger texting, and they're supposed to be driving at the same. It's It requires they're in full attention to text or tweet or Instagram or do whatever the hell they're doing on their phones. They, they can't drive and do that. The younger crowd can do it a little bit. They're, they're born into this. The older crowd cannot do it. And I am constantly seeing older people that are just like face fully down in their phone doing something while they're on the expressway or while they're turning. And it's like, dude, please stop that. You 50 year olds cannot be doing that stuff. No one should be, but certainly not you. sir. And I will say there's a lot of folks anymore. There's a lot of folks who are putting the pedal to the metal. Oh yeah. Everyone flies. It's crazy. Flies. Yeah. I actually went uh full skinny coming out of the target parking lot this past weekend. For what reason? What did you do? Well, it was Sunday morning and uh, it was my wife and I's one year anniversary. And you know, Sunday morning, I'm going up to Target to uh, to grab her card, and it's just a nice morning, very nice day out. It's very yep. pleasant. I'm in a great mood, and really looking back, that's kind of why I did this, which is a weird. That's weird to think that's how my brain works. But I pull out. Uh, you know, you come out of the Target there in the Newport Shopping Center, yep. and you're turning right to go down to uh, the uh, Chick Fil A and yep. all that. So as I I'm at the stop sign coming out of Target, I pull right into there. And as I'm doing that and keep going, a guy just flies up on my ass, right? Oh, yeah. And Love then he's guy. all flipping me off and screaming. So I just, I'm not even to the Chick-fil-A yet. I just put my car in park. I hop out. I walk back to his window. I just say, what's the problem? And the guy, the guy starts screaming, you cut me off. What the F for that? I'm like, sir, because you had a stop sign. I go, yeah. And I stopped at the stop sign. I was stopped at it for a while. You were flying. That's the issue here. So, so really what the problem is, is you're asking me to obey a law, which I did, but you don't want to obey the law and you didn't. And that's really the problem, right? Yes. And, and he, and he's like, get the F back in your car up, you know, F you F this, F that. I was like, sir. And his mouth was just horrendous. I mean, it was like the gingivitis stuff where your gums are like melting into your teeth and everything's all yellow and sounds, like he, need, sounds like he needed a meth fix. Well, I don't even think it was that. He just looked like an old dude, maybe been like smoking cigars every day or something and just let it go. Um, but he was just like real repressed 
sexually type guy. You could tell. Um, and I just like, look, man, if my mouth looked like that, I'd be pissed off at the world, too. But try to relax and just have a better day. You're being an a-hole for no reason right now. No, those are the ones, too, in, in kind of those, I don't call them resident, in, in city settings where the speed limit's 35 or whatever you pull like that, you pull out. And yeah, a guy rolls up on you because he's going 65 and it probably was, you, you've been out for a while. It wasn't like you cut him off. You've been out yeah. for a while. He just decides he's going to go faster. It's two a times parking faster than lot. The speed limit is 20. Jesus, he's wanting to go 50. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, my, no. the issue isn't that I cut you off. The Correct. issue is, the issue is you're dangerous. Rolling, I was rolling down to a red light going 15 miles an hour like everybody else here. And you're mad because you wanted to keep going 50 right up until the second you got to the red light. So, well, you know, of course, I get back and I told my wife about that. She gently reminded me that, you know, we're going to have a baby in a month and a half. And it might not have been good to get a call from jail or from paramedics saying I'd been shot or something like that. So, so I did. I, I did one the other day. I, I did one the other day. Where old boy whips around me. I was going 62 and a 55 on, on route 237 in Northern Kentucky. And he's pissed off and gives me the finger and goes flying. I'm like, what? what? I'm going 62 already in a 55. And there's going to be a cop up here in the meeting, but good luck to you. So about a half a mile later, we roll up to a red light where I'm actually a car linked in front of him. I rolled my window down and said, glad you could get to this light before I could, my man. <laughs> That's the best too. When the people are speeding like crazy and get all fired up just to get to a light. Correct. Do you, or no, uh, no, he just kind of shook his head at me like I'm an idiot. Yeah. I'm thinking that's fine. Yeah. Think what you want. I always love I, I always love the thing where people are being like super demonstrative, flipping you off and cussing at you at everything in their car when you can like see them clearly. It's like, what are you doing right yeah. now? Settle down. We're, exactly. we're driving. It's Sunday morning. Settle down. We just ran to a red light. And guess what? In another half a mile, there's going to be another red light potentially. So what's the point of going 100 miles an hour, my man? You ain't going to beat it. People are just so angry for no reason. That's a good point. I'm not angry, though, Rick. I'm no, we are podcast. just happy and positive guys. We are. Well, hope we'll be happy and positive after this Bengals weekend draft. We'll be back next week to recap that draft and talk much, much more. Thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Skinner. He's Rick Boring. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Pope edition presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage.